Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Tuesday, greetings, salutations, all that fun, classy stuff. It is the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can find all of the great Vox Media podcasts related to the Sixers. I am your host, Adil Royster, chill ride, chill vibes as always. Uh, Kind of an up and down week for the Sixers last seven days. And you know what? There's only so many people that I can bring on to kind of analyze and help me make sense of all this and tom west is on the line and since it's tom he is going to help us do it in a classy way because that's just how he is tom how you doing i'm doing good thanks man thanks for me back on i know it, it's been a while what, what have you been up to how are things yes pretty uh pretty i can hear same old, same old, really. i can hear yeah, the just... exhaustion in your voice tom <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, things have started getting a little better, I guess. Uh, I actually got to spend Christmas with family this year. Uh, oh, that's good. So a year just gone even, so that was nice. I uh, didn't get to see that the previous Christmas, so that was a, a good change. Uh, but yeah, pretty much just carrying on as I have been the last couple of years, following the Sixers. It was nice to actually watch a game at a reasonable hour yesterday on MLK yeah. Day, so that was good. <laughs> I didn't have to stay up super late, so that was good. The so NBA yeah, finally bad. threw you a bone for once. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> the best day of the year for uh, being over here. <laughs> so, so what's it like watching a Sixers game at seven PM uh, when the rest of us watch it at like seven PM? Like, what's what's the experience going from like a seven PM start for you to like I don't know. Uh, Lord knows you're not staying up until like one AM for a Sixers start. I know that. Yeah, I mean, usually if <laughs> I watch a Sixers game live, it's only the first half. So like, if, let's say there's tip like 7 p.m. Eastern, then that, that's like midnight for me. So I might watch like the first half and then, you know, get to bed like half one or something. And uh, if, But basically never watch a full game. So yeah, it actually tipping off at seven my time. I got and, to watch the whole thing live, which is and a bit if the easier. game And if it's like a West Coast game and it starts at like... Uh, 10 30 eastern you're just like oh yeah no i'll just chance. watch highlights i'll just yeah. watch highlights like <laughs> i just i mean i have league pass so i watch the full thing the next morning but i'm just delayed so i just sort of get up see the twitter reaction like post game or if i want to like avoid everything i'll just mute our slack chat mute uh twitter <laughs> and then i just get the game without spoilers like a day after on league pass so it's it is weird covering from another country but it's just how it is. I've kind of got used to it now. I, I would hope so. Like you've been you've been doing this for months, years, uh, decades, because you know that's what it just feels like in in Corona time. 
yeah yeah no it's been a long time now so it's just uh yeah just a habit at this point but um yeah appreciate the early games when they do come by ever so often so last week let, let's not even bring up the rockets game because let's face it like i nobody expected the sixers to lose that game or even you know sweat a little bit joel played a condensed game he was out after the third quarter didn't play the fourth but the charlotte game gordon hayward again with this guy we still have to deal with this guy even though he's not a boss in celtic what the hell yeah he had a really good game um and it's, it's tricky like the wing defense is so much worse without ben simmons um you know as soon as you don't have matisse stiebel out there like we've just seen again it's just it's just such a massive drop and like you know charlie brown jr's kind of chipping in i like what he can do like he's actually an athletic wing he's got pretty good size like he can move his feet and um, he's pretty disciplined it helps to have those guys on because the six just aren't very athletic or big or defensive on the wing you know they have a lot of small slow players um so yeah, when you get guys like you know Gordon Hayward and, and more talented scorers, like they just they just kind of can be outmatched fairly easily at this end. Like their defense has been better overall in recent weeks. Um, a lot of that is just kind of down to Embiid playing so well um, and just protecting the paint so well. But the, the wing defense and it can it can be a bit of an issue. Can I tell you, I was a little bit worried about that Charlotte game. I I would never I would never bet against my Philadelphia 76ers. But if I was that kind of jerk, I would have in that game just because I knew that Thibault was out and Charlie, don't get me wrong, Charlie Brown Jr. has been very good. But when it's Gordon Hayward and Miles Bridges and LaMelo like that, they were playing from behind the eight ball on that in that game. Because there's Charlotte just has the, the wings that Charlotte has, it was just too much that night. Yeah, and yeah, it was. It's, it's not a, an ideal matchup. Like they play fast, they push the tempo. Like if a team like that catches the Sixers on kind of an off game, um, yeah, they're kind of well built to to kind of exploit some of their weaknesses. You know, just with the pace, the Sixers transition defense has been a problem for a long time now, um, for the most part. Um, and yeah, like we've talked about the wing sort of disparity. So. Yeah, the Hornets are kind of well built to counter there, and you know, fortunately, the Sixers did have a couple of good games after that. So, you know, until until the Wizards game yesterday, they they, they looked pretty good. And I think overall, the last sort of few weeks, and, and mostly since Embiid kind of came back from COVID at the end of November, and you know, the last sort of few weeks or so, they've been playing pretty well for the most part. I think you can kind of see that coming, right? With the, the way the Hornets, you know, it looked like they were watching film of the the two Rockets games because with both of those games, you saw the transition defense was a little lacking. Maybe it was just because, you know, the, the Rockets are young and like that's all they did was run. But like I feel like Charlotte really took some notes on those games. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think at this point anyone should be trying to do that against the Sixers. Like if you can just get out and push the pace, force them to try and recover in transition, you know, force any sort of cross matches and and just generally get them trailing and kind of struggling to get back. Like you're probably going to generate some easy points. Um, you know, when the Sixers kind of lock in defensively, they, they can be fine. Like, you know, like I said, a big part of that is in beat, but the transition defense is generally 
not great. Um, and especially, you know, when they've been missing Danny Green recently and Matisse Thibault's missed some time, um, they're, they're even kind of worse off there. So, yeah, you really just want to push the pace as much as you can against the Sixers. And, and yeah, that's a good way to counter, especially if you're, at a, you know, sort of, if you can't create as much in the half court and, you know, you can't stop Embiid, for instance, which we've seen plenty, then that's a good way to at least generate some offense. Sixers came right back and turned around and beat the holy hell out of the Celtics on Friday. Uh, that's always good when the Sixers are just beating the nonsense out of a, out of a hated rival. Um, the wing situation didn't really, wasn't really a problem against the Celtics because the Celtics, are they playing too much hero ball with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Cause I feel like they are like, yeah, there's a there's a drop off in what the Celtics have been doing offensively under Udoka versus under Brad Stevens. I feel like Brad Stevens definitely had more motion to the Celtics offense, whereas um, with Udoka or whoever's running the offense over there, it's a lot of like one pass and stop. Yeah, I think a lot of the sort of Celtics issues have been around for a while now, and you feel like after tough losses everyone kind of talks about the same issues like you know needing to move the ball better guys needing to improve their passing and just the kind of same sort of offensive stagnation like similar issues crop up and I think Tatum's passing has improved like he can make some pretty good passes but I think his you know his shot selection kind of leaves a bit to be desired at times um just some of the really tough jumpers he takes um not getting to the rim or free throw line a ton you know kind of giving right. his his sort of physical profile and how you'd think he would be able to get to the basket a bit more, at least rather than choosing as many difficult jumpers as he does. Um, and then, yeah, Jalen Brown, like it was kind of a game where you kind of saw his, his sort of limitations pop up. Like he's not, he's not a great passer, um, you know, can go a bit cold and, you know, he's not as, yeah, like he's not as talented as Tatum. And, and you know, if he's creating and, you know, he just has an off night, like, yeah, he's he's just not a sort of top tier creator, and you know if he's kind of playing as your third guy or you know second guy on some nights, that's fine. But I just think that yeah, the Celtics kind of just seem to be running into the same kind of issues, and it's been a bit of a bit of a slug of a season for them so far. I know some Celtics fans I know are quite frustrated <laughs> just with how everything's gone, and you know that's obviously great for all our Sixers friends, but yeah, it just doesn't feel like they can sort of really get over the hump. Like with this core, it just feels like something needs to change for them. Whether they just need to kind of shake things up, maybe move one of the Jays or just kind of move the pieces around them because the pieces around them aren't great to sort of complement them. Like they could use more shooting and that kind of thing. Um, I don't love their, their front court, even though our Holford, you know, still playing pretty well for his age. Um, it just feels <laughs> like they need to kind of shake things up a little bit. And Al Horford being the bane of Joel Embiid's existence for the better part of his career, but then against... On, on Friday night, it just did not look that way at all. And I mean, Joel is doing that to basically everybody over the last month and a half, but like still. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, can, can we just say that uh, Horford is not the Embiid stopper he used to be? Oh, not at all, no. <laughs> I mean, Horford's <laughs> got worse God. since that point. Horford's got worse since that point, and Embiid has got much better. So put those two things together and yeah, like the matchup is absolutely in Embiid's favour now. Um, yeah, it was kind of like Al Horford, Mark Gasol, like there were a couple of guys that could kind of 
get to Embiid, like they could kind of anchor their bodies quite well in the post and kind of hold them off his spots a little bit. But I mean, Embiid has just got so much better since then, just like with his face-up game and how well he operates off the dribble, how well he shoots from mid-range. Like he's really evolved since then. Obviously, passing has improved. So he's better at dealing with double teams, you know, than he was, you know, kind of a couple of years ago, um, you know, two, three years ago when those guys were more of an issue for him. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's come such a long way and like this season he's been playing just as well as last year, if not maybe even a little bit better, kind of when you factor in how well he's defending and, you know, his passing being even better than it was before. And Tyrese Maxey had an amazing game against the Celtics too. Like I'm very much enjoying Tyrese's maturation as the season goes on. Yeah, he's really kind of doing what you want. I mean, you know, you could say, you know, he still needs to kind of improve his point guard play, but obviously that's not exactly who he is. He's kind of just been forced into more of, ideally more of that role. But, you know, his, his usage is still not super high. Like, I still think he should be featured more prominently in the offense. I agree. Um, a bit more recently, he has been kind of getting some extra reps and, and touches, you know, when Embiid is off the floor. But I still think that needs to be much more of a, of a focus for, for the team. Um, I just think he's their second best creator after Embiid and you just have to kind of treat him as such. Like, he deserves more touches and more shots than Tobias, honestly, at this point. Um, and I just think he can do more, you know, when he is sharing the floor with Embiid and especially without him, I think you stagger those two more I think you get more from Maxi that way. Um, just let him get downhill more, let him find his shots, let him be more of that kind of scoring, energizer guy, um, and just sort of let him go to work a bit more. I think you can do that, you know, with and without Embiid. But overall, yeah, he's I mean, he's playing really well. Like his his kind of leap this year is super impressive, just considering his age and and how much has been asked of him, you know, over the sort of start of his career and just how weird things have been, you know, with COVID and the team changing so much on any given night and, you know, players being out on that kind of thing. And just like his his progression as a shooter as well this year has been really impressive. Like he saw it a bit kind of late last regular season, like he was getting a bit more comfortable from three. He was taking a few more off the dribble, yep. um, taking a few more catch and shoot threes rather than kind of, you know, pump faking past this guy and then going into a floater. Um, that's kind of really taken off this year again. And like, he's just taking so many more kind of, you know, using a ball screen and, and pulling up from three and, in creating a bit of space with step backs and, and that kind of thing. Like it's amazing to see how quickly he's kind of expanded that part of his game and how comfortable he is now and, and how efficient he's been. You know, I don't know if he's going to keep shooting 40% from three for the season. I mean, and the last I checked a couple of days ago, he was over 40% on pull-up threes as well. Um, I don't know if that's going to last all year. It might, it might yes, it will. A bit. Yes, it has um, to. I'm it has sure to stay it will. That way. A thousand percent. <laughs> believe, Tom. You have to believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd expect a little bit of a drop. But I mean, just the fact that he's being efficient and so much more confident with those shots is huge. So yeah, he deserves a ton of credit for how quickly he's developed and and you're just how much he's up to his production this year. Are, are you still one of those Sixers fans that like circles every Miami game because of Jimmy Butler? Because I, I I am guilty pleasure. It's I I kind of I kind of hate watch the Miami Heat now. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the Heat team. Like they have a really good. <laughs> obviously, they've dealt a lot with injuries, and you know, like Butler's missed a bunch of time, and like they've not had Bam um, in a while. But I mean, they have a really good team, and and you know that was a great win for the Sixers this week. I just really like Jimmy Butler as a player. Um, I think I generally just find myself thinking like it was a lot of fun covering the Sixers when he was on the team. Like it was fun. They could have kept him. If they could have kept him, like man, they would have a good team. Like, 
if just you know if they had Jimmy in this team instead of Tobias, like okay. how much better they'd be. But we won't go we'll, down that rabbit hole. We'll but, get I mean, we'll get to Tobias yeah, later. I do I do enjoy Jimmy. Um, so yeah, no, I, I always like watching the Heat, and yeah, it's just mad how long ago that feels now that Jimmy was on the Sixers. But there that, you go. Uh, that being said about Tobias, he had a solid start against Miami, but I he, you know he he trails off. I don't know what the heck is going on there. Uh, he had like. 13 points in the first half against Miami. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe we got something we can pull ourselves out of a little bit. And then the, the bench scoring, you know, 20 to one in the first half of, of that game. And I was just like, okay, uh, we're, we're working. We're, we're rolling here, even though, you know, Tyler hero was very much in his bag in that first half. Yeah. Tobias has, yeah, it's been a pretty shaky season for him. Um, like, yeah, like you said, the first half of that game was good. And I finished with a good game overall. I think, what was it, about 22 points, just checking the box score, 9 of 13 shooting, 3 of 3 from 3. Like, you know, that's a, that's a nice night. But, yeah, he just he just can't be counted on cr- to create this year. Like, his, his finishing at the rim has dropped, which is a problem. Um, I mean, it was kind of, I guess it was relatively unlikely that he wouldn't be able to kind of sustain how well he shot from mid-range, you know, a year ago this season. Um, but, you know, the three-point shooting has, has dropped so much and his finishing has declined a little bit. Like, he was he was finishing so well last season. I think he was around 70, 71% um, inside three feet. And he was just, you know, kind of really good at driving physically and finishing through guys and and who's kind of a bit more decisive and getting to the rim more and, and settling for fewer kind of tough mid-range attempts. And that's just kind of not been the case this year and the efficiency has dropped. And we know he's dealing with this kind of shoulder issue. Um, I wonder if, you know, that is that probably is limiting him a little bit. I don't know how much that's affecting his game, but yeah, it's not been great for the most part recently. And then against Washington, it was a it was another really kind of rough game for him, to be honest. Maybe he maybe he needs the All Star break more than anybody else now. Yeah, I mean, I think that would definitely do him some good. I don't know if he could get over the shoulder issue, but you know, if he can get a little healthier, kind of reset at all, yeah, maybe it would do him some good. I mean, yeah, he's kind of been worse in every area so far this season, <laughs> so he need he needs something to change. The fourth quarter of the Heat game—that's where that—that that was quite the roller coaster. There was. The once again impressive defense from Charlie Brown Jr. and just uh, I don't know if you noticed it, you probably did watching the replay on uh NBA League Pass, but uh, Tyrese Maxey just just going to town on Kyle Lowry, like Kyle Lowry on on Tyrese Maxey made Kyle Lowry look every bit of like 37. Yeah, yeah, Maxey Maxey was really good. Um, like his burst off the dribble is is just yeah makes him tough to stop. Like his speed isn't working against anyone, and you know Lowry's still like a fine defender, but it's a, it's a tricky assignment. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, Charlie Brown, I thought he was really good against Miami's wings. Like you know Jimmy had a, a rough game. You know he's not going to shoot that poorly all the time, but I just thought yeah Charlie Brown Jr. sort of giving him more minutes that really helped kind of get some of Miami's wings under control. Like he's some he's some really good sort of. Uh, Defense against some of Jimmy's drives. You know, he had some good plays against uh, Max Struess, um, bothered Tyler Hero a little bit at times. Like, he helped a lot. And I think, you know, like I said, just kind of having that athletic wing defender 
who can shift around a little bit and be used across a couple of different positions, something they were missing. And, you know, being shorthanded on the wing recently, that's kind of really helped. I thought that, not that obviously Charlie Brown turned around the game, but I definitely think he gave their defence a lift against Miami's sort of range of wings, you know, when they needed it. And that, that did help them quite a lot. Honestly, wasn't a thousand percent sure that they were going to hold on and win that game because um, recent Sixers history over the last decade has shown they don't they just don't win those types of games. So it was nice to get one of those. But then, oh, my God, like that that Washington game. I don't I don't even know how to sum that one up. Just just hot flaming garbage. That's that's all I got for that game. And Embiid was good, but literally literally no one else was yeah and in B's defense wasn't even at his best either like that was probably I mean he had he had some good moments but he'd kind of he dropped a little bit in that game I guess you know they'd had quite a few games you know in recent days like they'd had the back-to-back previously you know maybe he was kind of just a little lower on energy for you know defensively but yeah he was still good offensively like he's just scoring 30 points like nothing these days um, and he was kind of drawing fouls constantly against Washington Bigs. Um, and they, they just couldn't do anything against him. Like his strength was too much. He was getting, he was establishing really good positioning on his drives and getting to the rim, you know, pretty easily, you know, getting a bunch of free throws. But yeah, outside of that, like you said, it's just, he just didn't have any help. Like no one really stepped up to help him. <laughs> and in the defense, for the most part, I mean, the start to the game was just horrible. Like the Sixers were just oh, so yeah. flat. Um, just that the energy level was really bad um, defensively, like they were just way too slow. Um, and, you know, they had some moments where they kind of ramped it up a little bit and it, sh- it did feel like a winnable game until, you know, at least until the fourth quarter. But yeah, it was just, it was just too little help for Embiid and, and the defense just slipped too often. Um, it should have been a, a, you know, good opportunity to get a win, but I mean, I mentioned their kind of upcoming schedule on Twitter yesterday. Like their next sort of few games are are pretty good. Like, you know, they have the magic, um, I believe tomorrow, like that should be a pretty good game for them to kind of bounce back against a weaker team and get a win again and kind of get back on track. I, and ideally just ramp up their energy. Like it's a simple thing, but they just needed to kind of bring it defensively and they just didn't really have much against the Wizards. Yeah. And when like basically everyone has an off game except Embiid offensively, like they're just not good enough to win those games. Would you? Um, there's just not you, enough creation. Yeah. Would you sit Embiid against Orlando, or was that game, or should that game have been yesterday? Yeah, I yeah, I see what you mean. I think I think he'll probably play. Um, I'd maybe give him a day off if you wanted to, but I don't think they have any back to backs at least coming up for a while. Okay, so he shouldn't be tasked too much. I can't remember when their next back to back is off the top of my head, but I don't think they have another one for the rest of the month at least. Um. So I guess you could, I think ideally you just play Embiid a little bit, kind of let him dominate for a bit and then just kind of cut his minutes off around like, you know, 25 minutes. And ideally the team plays well enough. So you just don't need to play him that much, get him a bit of extra rest and you kind of just pick up an easy win. Um, Because honestly, I think it's hard to project any easy wins if Embiid isn't playing. Like he just makes or breaks the team most of the time. You know me. I'm just looking for any way that I can get Andre Drummond in a game for 30 minutes. <laughs> you just want to see him, you know, attack off the dribble and, and get fancy. Exactly. All of those I, ambitious passes. And, I want to see the yeah. ambitious passes. I want to see Andre Drummond Euro steps. I want to see all of it. Maybe I'm a three-pointer. Yeah. I'm weird like that, Tom. You know this about me. 
<laughs> I can't say gonna... I uh, want that as much as you do. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's, it's the little joys for me. I, I need everything I can get in these coronavirus filled times, you know? Let's get weird. <laughs> Let's get weird. Exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of getting weird, uh, going to take a quick break and then get Tom's input on some of this new trade stuff um, around Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris now, I guess. All right. Anyway, uh, back after a quick break from our sponsors, Liberty Ballers Out of Sight Podcast. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Back on the Out of Sight podcast, I feel like every second half of a podcast, Tom, I don't know if you've been listening to my podcast. I mean, you you should be like every other podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Um, But I feel like every second half, be it with you or with Dave or with whoever my guest is, Derek Bodner, a couple weeks ago, second half has always been like trade rumor stuff. And this past week was interesting because there were some musings, some reporting coming out that the Sixers were trying to, well, looking into the possibility of attaching Tobias's contract to a Simmons trade. Yeah, it's an interesting development. I mean, I think everyone for you know quite some time, even when Tobias was having a really good season last year, I think most Sixers fans and writers would agree that if they could move his contract you know, without giving up much or bringing in anything reasonable in return, you know, it would be worth doing, like, just to kind of create that, you know, improve cap flexibility for the kind of the future. Um, you know, his contract is massive. Like, if you could move that, that would be really helpful in just kind of creating more options down the line. Um, I guess it was just unlikely that, you know, most of us probably didn't think that was realistically going to be on the table kind of before this trade deadline, I think moving Simmons seems like enough. And I think the two of them combined, I think they make just under 70 million. I think their salaries. Yeah. Um, so it's an absolute ton to move. Um, 
yeah, I, I honestly, I wouldn't expect it to happen. Um, you know, I'm not even super confident that a Simmons deal is definitely going to happen by the trade deadline. I can't imagine that Harris is actually going to get moved as well. But it's, it's interesting to consider and, you know, whether the Kings, for instance, are intrigued enough by just shaking things up. You know, apparently all their players, Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, are both kind of on the table now. Like no one is is kind of off limits. And that had We can have anybody on the, the Kings roster. <laughs> so, so if they are that desperate to kind of make a move, make a playoff push, kind of bringing some more experienced guys and get Simmons maybe for a slightly lower price if they do take Tobias back, um, then, you know, maybe that, you know, maybe they would be the team out of anyone that kind of would look into that and consider it. But I'm still not expecting it to happen just because it is so much salary and, and Tobias, is, Tobias is a negative asset at this point just with the size of his contract. Like, I don't see anyone exactly excited to go get him in a trade just playing around some, with some stuff on the on the trade machine just because when i see those kinds of rumors i always try to like work it out um simmons would go to sacramento and like somehow i managed to get tobias harris to uh dallas which would have been fun uh, reunite him with boban and give luca a little bit more offensively but there's just there's just so much that has to go on because, like, Porzingis has uh, his contract. I don't know if, like, Luca, Porzingis, and Tobias kind of works either, but the Sixers would get back uh, Halliburton and Fox, like, both of them. So that I was kind of intrigued with, but at the same time, like, is is De'Aaron Fox kind of a, kind of a negative asset too at this point, or could he... Or is he just good and we need to get him out of Sacramento? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I wouldn't say he's a negative asset, but I don't think he's just, I just don't think he's super appealing for the Sixers at this point, just because I do think, I mean, Taurus Maxey's probably been having a better season, a better mm-hmm. season, sorry. Um, and I think if you bang on... He seems on, to be shooting you know, Maxie, better too. Exactly, he's shooting better, like his efficiency is better already. If you bank on, if you consider how well Maxi is playing already, and you bank on him improving even more, like he's so young, he's improved so much already over the first two seasons, you know, first season and a half of his career, even in super weird times with COVID and the kind of the kind of phase he's entered the NBA in. Like if you if Maxi keeps improving year by year, which I think he will, you know, he can easily be better than De'Aaron Fox, and they kind of provide similar things in terms of a kind of quick guard who can get downhill and, you know, maybe isn't the best playmaker, but they provide you a really good scoring burst. Like, I don't think going after Darren Fox just makes as much sense now. I think Tyrese Halliburton is the more intriguing player there. For the Sixers, I just think kind of he gives you a taller player, which would be preferable in the Sixers' backcourt, given the kind of size of most of their guards. Like, you know, kind of off-ball on defence, he's, he's better than Fox. Um, I just, you know, love Halliburton's passing. I think the pick and roll play he could add. He's a better shooter. Um, you know, he's still shooting. He's been shooting 40% from three since coming into the NBA, like decent amount of attempts. He can shoot off the catch pretty well. Like some of his kind of shot creation and space creation from three is pretty good too. Like he's shooting effectively um, off the bounce from deep two. Like I just think he kind of ticks more boxes for the sixes are missing. I think he just kind of complement Maxi a little bit better and kind of, give you a bit of a different skill set. So I think 
even if the Sixers, let's say, just do move Simmons, you don't try and bring Harris into the equation. This trade is just a bit smaller, I think. You know, getting something like Caliburton, Buddy, and maybe Barnes or something like that is a bit more preferable than trying to bring in De'Aaron Fox and then maybe basically just going with the Kings backcourt and then <laughs> you know, pushing Maxi back into the bench. Like, I don't think the Sixers need to go after Fox at this point. Not only that, but I would, I don't know about you, but I'm not real keen on the idea of doing a complete retool of the starting lineup this late in the season. Like I've never been a fan of that. No, I don't think, I think the, the dream has always been getting, you know, one star, you know, some star wing, a star guard, whoever that may be, and just kind of slotting them into the, along with the pieces you have, you know, um, you know, with Maxi, you know, Danny Green, Tobias likely at the four and then Embiid. I think that's always kind of been the preferred option rather than just kind of completely overhauling everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, it depends It depends what you can get back. Um, like I said, I think that King's return, you know, Halliburton, possibly Buddy and, and Barnes is is good. Like that would that would work well. Um, oh, you kind of, you know, you move Halliburton, Buddy can kind of just be that kind of really high volume, very efficient three-point shooter off the bench. Um and then, you know, Barnes kind of gives you a better defensive option, a better three-point shooting option than than Harris. Um, yeah, it, it's just tricky to project what can happen because I, I just don't really see Harris being moved. And I don't know what for because I don't know how <laughs> any team values him around the league and uh, what they would be willing to move to get him or what the Sixers would have to give up to kind of move that contract. So it's, it's tricky, but Yeah. I'll tell you what for uh, the the dream scenario where somehow Daryl gets James Harden and Dame Lillard in sign and trades and like no that's not stop it that's not happening everybody just get yeah. off just no as much as as much as we would all love the NBA two K trade scenario machine generator just just no because it's not good. That is not possible. Like one or the other. And to be perfectly honest, I don't even a thousand percent know if I want James Harden. I'm I'm being completely honest. I don't I just don't know anymore. And Harden is a top 10 player, but at the same time, like I I I, I have reservations about James Harden for the first time in his career. And I don't know why. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he's just not, he's still very good. And, you know, his passing still is, very good. is not really going to age. And, you know, he's still going to be able to shoot his step back threes and, and you know, get to the line a bit. But he's he's not the same player he was. Like, you know, he has lost a step. He doesn't have the same kind of burst to get downhill and just drive through guys and kind of scoring quite the same way and the same level that we've seen before. And, you know, that's okay. But he isn't that kind of perennial MVP candidate level player now. Um, and I think if you're thinking of giving him, you know, a new max contract, you know, when he's into his mid and late thirties, no thanks. It does become harder. Exactly, it does become harder to kind of to do that. And I think when you're looking at the Sixers' position right now, in terms of if they don't trade Simmons now because they are holding out for a sign and trade for Harden in the summer, it's not even a guaranteed shot at Harden anyway. It's just a, a possibility. You know, Mark Stein did a report again yesterday. Um, that you know, apparently it's not off the table. Like it, it is a possibility that Harden could leave, and you know he he may 
join the Sixers, you know, that, that could be a possibility, like executives around the league aren't ruling it out, but I still, I just still feel like it's a low chance. And I don't think you keep on hold of Simmons just for a small chance of maybe signing Harden and then hoping that he does age well and you pay him a ton of money and then you kind of go from there. Like I could see that going badly if, you know, Harden, you know, doesn't kind of improve anymore from, you know, where he's been at. He kind of has improved as the season has gone on, but you know, if he does decline a bit in the coming years, you know, that could become a bit of a concern. And I just don't think holding out for a small chance of that at this point is better than kind of wasting this season rather than getting, you know, a decent return for Simmons now. Like let's say they do get a King's package, they get Halliburton, they get picks, whatever. You still have someone like Halliburton and potentially more assets in terms of draft capital that can be used to, you know, for another trade down the line. Like let's say another star does become available in the summer or whenever you still have those assets that can be used again and they can help now. I, I, I've kind of come around to thinking that that kind of halfway point trade where you get some immediate help and you ideally get some pieces that can be flipped again, you know, down the line if need be. I kind of feel like that's where to go at this point because it does sound like there's some there's some decent talent available, you know, ahead of the deadline. I just don't think kind of punting all of that for a small chance to maybe get Harden um, is the way to go right now. It sounds like there are reasonable enough options available for Simmons at this point where I think it makes sense to just kind of make a move, kind of move on from the situation. Don't let Simmons' trade value change or potentially worsen anymore and just kind of move on. At least that's what I'd like to happen. Just covering <laughs> this whole saga has been it's, it's a no, it's, yeah, it's a exhausting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like the idea of just like the the smaller trade to get like Halliburton and draft capital back, just because I'm not. I I know he's saying all those things, and but I'm not a thousand percent convinced that Beal is staying in Washington. Maybe that's just me being naive, but I'm I'm still holding out hope for that one. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like, I mean, yeah, you never know. Uh, you know, players do become, you know, stars do become available when you don't expect it. And it, it just feel right. like every season kind of some new player, you know, kind of big time player does become available and that kind of shakes the market up. But yeah, yeah I mean, Beal is happy now. now. Kind of felt like, yeah. Beal is happy now, but we know like that can change within the snap of a finger or like from off season to off season. Like who knows? I, all the all the talk about Harden, I'm like, yeah, Beal can just be like, yeah, I, I, I gave y'all a year. I didn't like what y'all put together. Like, nah, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd expect, I feel like, just based on the indications that he seems happy there and just the sort of financial sense of kind of waiting out for his big contract from the Wizards and then, you know, sticking out with them for a bit more, maybe asking for a trade down the line once he's got that big you know, that big new contract, mm-hmm. that probably makes sense. So even if it becomes available, it could be more delayed. Um, I feel like that's probably more likely, but yeah, you never know. Like guys do become available. Um, I just feel like kind of making a move at the deadline for something that can help you now and, you know, maybe pieces that can be flipped again if need be. So you're not totally leaving the kind of war chest bare, like you still have some options and some flexibility you know, that would be preferable. If they can move Harris as well, you know, great. Not having those two massive salaries, you know, is really helpful. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd lean more that, you know, a Simmons trade without Harris is, is probably more likely if, if anything's going to happen. It's just, it's, it's just a shame that, you know, 
uh, Clay Thompson is extremely happy in Golden State. It's just a shame. It's just, you know, my my uh, my custom Clay Thompson Sixers jersey is just going to waste <laughs> here. It's just, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, uh, Tom West, always a pleasure having you on the podcast because, you know, that that accent, that that lovely, classy British voice, it's, it's everything that I need on a chilly Tuesday. I, I love talking <laughs> to you so much, Tom. <laughs> I'm pleased I can help. It's always good to talk to you, man. Tom West, you can check him out on Twitter at Tom West NBA. Um, just don't tweet him uh, results before he's done watching the game on League <laughs> Pass. That's that's not cool. Uh, nobody likes a spoiler alerter. Um, but until then, Tom, always nice talking to you. I'm glad that things are trending in the right direction over there. Coronavirus too. Things were pretty bad for a while, but the cases have kind of just started to ticker down a little bit. So hopefully we're kind of heading in the right direction. And I saw that there were uh, people outside of Boris Johnson's house, like uh, with like pitch force, like he was uh, Frankenstein or something like what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. So yeah, it just turns out that he's been at a, a garden party during the kind of height of lockdown. Oh um, god! At number ten, and uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just been coming out about yeah various politicians and, and Boris himself um, when, when, breaking the when, rules that they set for everyone else to follow. So, when can you vote him yeah. out at this point? Another year? Two I mean, years? I mean, people are just calling for him to resign at this point. Like it's, yeah, I think a lot of people want him gone now. Like he's really angered everyone. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you never know. I mean, we can hold out hope that maybe he will resign, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I, I'm just not familiar with you know uh, British politics. Like, the, is the official election this year or next year? Twenty four? Uh, it's not this year. I can't even think when it would next be off the top of my head to be honest but, i mean yeah i'll be but i mean t- given what's happened recently i don't even know if it'd last that long anyway but we'll, <laughs> i mean we'll see we'll see but yeah everything with boris is a is a mess right now but covid cases at least are starting to drop so that is something so that's good well, shout out nhs over there yeah the nhs has been amazing absolutely amazing stay safe stay stay positive uh go sixers all that fun stuff i'll talk to you soon tom yeah speak soon thanks for me on always